You're listening to Midtown Radio. My name is Matthew Rappold, and our guest today on Midtown Conversations is Natalie Gibbons. She is a librarian and the manager of collections for the Kitchener Public Library. Natalie, thanks so much for taking the time and joining us today. Not a problem, Matt. Thanks very much for having me today. So, like I said, you are the manager of collections at the Kitchener Public Library, and uh, obviously there's been a huge change in terms of the way that work is being done across the world and across our region. Um, What does being the manager of collections at the Kitchener Public Library, what does that mean on a day-to-day basis before the pandemic, and how has that changed now? Okay. That's, that's a great question. Um, so in my role, um, basically I'm responsible for all the adult collections um, in the library system. So not just the central location, which is on Queen Street, but we have four locations throughout the city of Kitchener. And I'm responsible for ordering for some of those collections. Um, specifically, I order all of the adult nonfiction material across the system. Um, but I'm also responsible for supervising selection that happens with our library vendors. We order books primarily, um, and not only books, so I should clarify, uh, things like DVDs, music CDs, audiobooks, and we order from two library vendors in actually Kitchener and Waterloo. And they also have selectors. And what we basically do is give them a budget, we give them criteria on a yearly basis, and we ask them to do the selection for us. So it does save staff time on the library side And the selection that they do is often also done by librarians. They hire librarians as well. And they kind of know as well, I'll say what, what, what's popular and, you know, what's, what's going to go well in our public library setting. So um, I do oversee those collections. So even though I have other people that are doing selection, there's still work involved in the fact that I have to make sure those, um, Uh, companies are staying on budget, (laughs) that they're actually selecting material that we would like to see. Um, A good example of that is is DVDs. Um, We do have criteria for DVDs because if we didn't give them some criteria, we could get everything under the sun that's produced (laughs) in a DVD format. So we do have some criteria that they have to meet um, and make sure that we're getting exactly, I'll say, what we paid for. Can you give an example of what some of those criteria might be? Uh, specifically for DVDs? Sure. or Yeah, so DVDs is a good one, actually. So we ask for things that um, are award-winning. So if they've won an Emmy, they've won an Oscar, they've been featured at Sundance, they've won a Golden Globe, anything like that. We ask for Canadian content. That's another one. Anything that's produced by a Canadian production company, um, anything that might have some Canadian actors, even a Canadian setting. So we ask for that kind of material. Um, We ask for very limited restricted material, for instance. We don't want to get, we do have some restricted movies, but they have to be um, very well reviewed, I'll say, or very well versed before we would accept something like that into our collection. Um, Trying to think of the other criteria. Um, Yeah, things like... um, things you could see on a cable show um, that wouldn't be, I'll say, accessible to everyone. So some of the series that you see on some of the cable shows, like um, when Orange is the New Black came out on Netflix is a good example. Uh, Billions is another one I can think of. Game of Thrones is another one. We get all of those. And of course, one of the strongest criteria we have for DVDs is they need to buy 
anything that's based on a book. (laughs) (laughs) So there you go. That's probably the best one. Yeah. And how is that? And how is that uh, that collections job changed now since the, uh, the since the lockdown and the pandemic? So the biggest change, and I'm sure this isn't news to you, but our we also provide um, a platform through a company called Overdrive, and they have an app that's called Libby, and our holdings um, for eBooks and eAudio have gone through the roof um, for electronic books and e-audio because of the fact that, of course, during the pandemic, the doors were closed to the libraries. People could not come into the building and get physical books. So what happened this past year is we've had to divert funds from our physical collections and put more money into the electronic collections. So, um, and it's not just our library system. Um, All the library systems I know that we work with closely here in the region of Waterloo they have all done the same thing um, because the demand is so high. And the other reason being, which maybe some of your listeners would know, but maybe some don't, the cost of an ebook or an e-audio book for libraries is about three times the amount than if you went through Amazon and purchased it yourself. Wow. So, yeah. Publishers um, have, this is, and this has been from day one, uh, publishers have, um, I'll say, told us that because the books don't wear out, um, they have to charge us more money. <laughs> wow, that seems counterintuitive. I mean, when you think about ebooks and e-resources, a lot of times one of the main selling features is the fact that they're cost-effective. Yeah, yeah. So a lot, what a lot of them do is they put a limit on, like the the price may not be, I'll say, too unreasonable. It could be maybe fifty dollars to maybe eighty dollars, but then they put a limit on the book. So a limit as in the book can go out for um, so many checkouts, like 52 checkouts, or you have the book for six months or something, and then you have to pay for it again. So it's like you're, mm. you're renting the book or leasing the book. Um, so that's that's the most popular model across the big publishing houses. So Random House, um, HarperCollins, uh, Simon & Schuster, they all do that. So, But it still costs us money. And the, the thing is that you know, when somebody, a popular author writes a new book, like a Lee Child or a Nora Roberts or somebody like James Patterson, we're paying, you know, probably double to triple what we would be paying for the normal physical copy of the book. Wow. So it's, it's a lot of money. And, and obviously that goes back on an ongoing basis, right? I mean, that's right. So we, we um, I, I do uh, actually purchase books for that platform as well. And um, we're lucky at Kitchener because our budgets are, are pretty healthy for collections. Um, we probably have the healthiest collection budget out of the libraries here in the region of Waterloo due to our size and, our, and the support we receive from council. So um, we are lucky that way, but it's still, it's still a lot of money. And what happens is <laughs> the holds accumulate. So again, when you know, uh, Lee Child writes a new book, all of a sudden people see it. And that book has increased, you know, three times on the holds list. We try to meet the ratio of how many holds to people, but it's costing us. And so a big portion of our budget money is going towards filling the holds lists, um, as opposed to maybe not buying as many of the new titles that we would like to see. Um, and new titles that may not be as popular. I'm not talking about the best-selling titles. I'm just talking about new books that are published on a monthly basis. So it's, it's, a, bit of a, it's a bit of a juggle, for sure. So, 
Um, but that's that's what's happened this year is, is a lot of our other budgets have taken quite a hit. Um, in a way, it hasn't been, it won't be too devastating because obviously we're not the only ones going through COVID and the effects of, of what have, what's happened for all businesses. Um, we know that, for instance, the movie studios have slowed down considerably in producing and, and releasing new movies, which also means they're not coming out on DVD. So we did um, reduce our DVD budget some, but it may not be too bad of a hit because of the fact that there just isn't new releases coming out in DVD. How do you, how do you balance new releases and what's popular versus some of the criteria that you mentioned before? How does that impact maybe some of the local you know, content that you're able to procure or some of the Canadian content? How do you juggle those aspects? Yeah, yeah, I think you have to have priorities. And um, I know even from, I'll say, day one, since I've been um, selecting for the for the library, um, Canadian content is huge. So, you know, um, I would sh- I would not hesitate to choose a Canadian author that's written on a certain topic over an American author, for instance, um, even if they're not as well known, just because we want them to have that notoriety and the importance of the fact to support Canadian authorship. Um, I think it's really important because Canadian writers, you know, and authors, they don't, they don't make a lot of money. So libraries are one way they can get their material um, out there. Of course. And libraries, I mean, in the 21st century, we've seen this huge evolution about what is it, what it means to be a library. Um, I mean, Kitchener and across the country, across the world, of course, with the rise of the internet and a lot of other factors. I mean, the Kitchener Public Library is like more than just a place to lend and, and, uh, and borrow books. It's a community hub. It's a meeting place. It hosts important gatherings and events for local organizations. It provides internet access for those who might not otherwise be able to get it, which has, of course, been especially important these past few months. And at the Kitchener Public Library, the central location, uh, an exciting new studio space, the Hefner Studios, were just opened. So, I mean, with the closure and the pandemic, how are library staff and administration working to make sure that those needs that still exist are still able to be met? That's 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 a huge question. <laughs> um, I'll do my best to answer it. <laughs> so um, I guess the good news is, um, and again, maybe your listeners know or they don't know, but we are actually partially open right now. Um, we opened at the beginning of June for people to pick up their holes. So at least um, we're open for people to now at least get their books. They're not able to come in and browse. Unfortunately, they're not able to come in and touch any of our material. And that's due to the restrictions placed on us, of course, by um, the health region of Waterloo and and the health um, authorities there and, of course, the province. Um, But that's step one. We are also providing some limited computer use at the Central Library, which just started on Monday. We have 10 computers available that people can book for one hour per day. They do have to book ahead or at least book when they come in with a staff member. Um, And our other branches are going to slowly start introducing computer use as well. They're still sort of in the midst of um, getting their bearings in regarding holds um, and and people picking up holds. So we're kind of we're phasing that in slowly as well. Um, One of the things we were doing during and continue to do since the pandemic is offering um, virtual programs. And I know that um, they've been very successful. Um, we've actually had some very good um, programs where we've had some um, big name authors 
Um, the one that the one that I attended was um, Kathy Reichs. She she Great. actually did one with us, and there there have been others as well. Um, I'm I'm not as versed with the programming because it's not a job that I do at the library, but I know I, I follow definitely what's going on. So, um, but I have heard from our programming staff that the advantage of going virtual is we're attracting more people because people of course are looking for something to do and they can sit on their couch and they can, you know, they can go in through Facebook live and they can attend a program and maybe, you know, learn about a topic, see an author they're interested in. Um, we actually, one of the things that has been really successful is we've had musical guests so we've had local musicians perform on weekends and people can tune in and listen to music as well. So, and, and there's also children's programs. So we're still doing a vast amount of programming. Um, and again, I, my understanding is it's gone over very well and we're going to continue to do that until, you know, the government, I think, tells us otherwise and we can gather again in, in a physical space. Yeah, that's a great point about um, about how people are interacting with the these different structures um, and different organizations with the pandemic. I also play in a band, and uh, we've been doing virtual concerts. And the interesting thing is that we've found actually that in some ways more people have been able to listen to our music and listen to our concerts because they've been able to be accessible to more people online and we're able to do them more regularly, of course. So has, is that a trend you've seen sort of across the library where more people are using, or more people are using the library services than maybe would have been otherwise before? Um, I may not be the best person on the staff to ask about that, so I'll give it my best guess, but I'm going to say probably yes, um, because the pandemic limited um, so many things that people could do. And I think I'm actually, I can answer this more in regards to collections. I think more and more people who maybe were hesitant to try eBooks or eAudio made the plunge into trying those formats because they didn't have another choice unless they wanted to purchase books, you know, through Amazon or their local bookstore. Um, they, we still offer the e-books and the e-audio free with a library card. Um, so, you know, I think the pandemic in a way forced people to look at things in a different way and to try different things and, um, you know, trying things electronically, uh, was a good alternative. We also, um, own a database at the library called lynda.com. Again, people may be familiar with it, but it's a place where people can do their own learning um, so things like if they wanted to learn Microsoft Word or they wanted to learn, cool. yeah, like how to do a business presentation or how to be an effective speaker, um, how to whatever. Um, there's, there's different topics on Linda. And we also saw an increase in use in that because, again, people may have been home. Um, they may have been put on emergency leave. So it gave them a chance to look at different topics, um, again, for free using their library card and able to... Um, you know, maybe learn a new skill set or learn something that they've been looking at for a long time and never had the time to do, but now they did. So, Very cool. I have to ask, have you taken the plunge into audiobooks? Is that something that you've done as well? Yeah, definitely. I think during the pandemic, I, I spend more time listening to um, e-audiobooks um, on my phone. I download it to my phone and listen when I'm, you know, washing the dishes or you know, doing something around the house or going even for a walk in my neighborhood, it's, it's, it's great. And um, ebooks are always great for traveling. So for people that, you know, travel a lot and they don't want to 
obviously pack, you know, six books, they can put stuff on their phone and they can listen um, or read a book on their phone. So yeah, it's, it's great. My preference is still to hold a physical book. So I did a little bit, I did a little bit of both. (laughs) Yeah. I think I'm with you on the, on the preference for physical copies. I have not yet taken the plunge, but I did download uh, the Libby app. And so I'm halfway there. (laughs) Awesome. That's a start. And it's actually really simple to use. Yeah. As I mentioned to you, I'm not really tech savvy and uh, it's quite, it's quite easy to use. But the great thing is, um, I mean, during, again, during the pandemic and still, we have staff at the library who you can call um, our number and staff on the phone can help you with any of these things. That's the other thing is to help you learn um, how to how to install Libby on a device or you need help figuring out a certain database that we have or even how do I put a book on hold or can you put this book on hold for me because I don't own a computer at home. So we, you know, we are still offering that service um, helpful reference. I'll say reference slash tech help service over the telephone during this time. And we, and we have a chat button on our website now and you can always email us. So there's lots of ways of connecting with the library still. Great. Now, one last question before I let you go. Um, here at Midtown Radio, and especially on my program, Midtown Bookshelf, we are all about supporting and promoting local arts and local culture. And I'm just curious for people um, who are who may be creatives in our community or who may be authors, what are some of the ways that the Kitchener Public Library supports local authors and, and local creators? And how have those systems or maybe those programs changed a little bit? I think sort of the biggest support right now, and again, I'm because it's not, I'll say my, my area of expertise, but probably is the Hefner studio. Um, we've been doing a lot of um, uh, marketing around that and reaching out to local, local musicians and especially people that want to do their own podcasts. Um, for the time that the studio was opened and, you know, I would walk by, I would notice a lot of people using the the radio or the sound booth. And I think that's because they were there working on podcasts and it was anywhere from teens to adults and, you know, that were, they were making very good use of that space. Um, as I mentioned before, we do support local musicians as well with concerts um, right now online, but we, we had a concert series uh, that was sponsored by activity uh, Activia in our, our main floor, uh, sorry, our main lounge at Central. Plus I also know they did some at the branches. Um, in regards to local authors, um, we find it difficult sometimes to run programs around local authorship. And it's only because um, sometimes if they're not, the people are not very well known or depending on the topic that they've written about, we've tried in the past to support them and do programs and they don't always, um, people are not as receptive to them, I'll say, or they're not very well attended. So we do um, definitely put books in our collection by local authors. Um, If they're self-published, we actually have, um, I'll say, a, a policy around that where people can fill out a form and then we review the, the content of the book and see what the book is about. Um, we sometimes ask for um, a sample of the book if they can provide it or some kind of review. Um, and then we make a decision as to whether or not to include the book into the system. Great. Natalie, I, I did lie a little bit. Before I let you go, I have a, I just one more thing I'd like to do. Yeah. Um, 
If you have time, we'd like to do a lightning round. I always like to end interviews this way um, so that our audience can get to know uh, Natalie Gibbons, the person, as well as Natalie Gibbons, the collections manager. Are you okay with that? Yeah, I'm fine with that. Great. If you could read one genre, would you read biographical or fantasy? Oh, biographical. Biographical. Good answer. Uh, Who is your favorite Canadian author? Margaret Lawrence. I like The Stone Angel. Um, It's very rare that I read a book more than once, to be quite honest. And that is one of the books that I've read probably two or three times. And I, the first time I read it, I was in high school and I don't know, it just, it was such rich writing. And so I think maybe too, because of my age at the time, there was nothing else like that out there that I had read. And, and her book just struck a chord with me. Um, Such a, such a, prolific writer she was just yeah she was just fantastic what's your favorite place to eat in kitchener in kitchener probably actually uh, the the social at the walper hotel it's close it is close to the library and uh, their food is great yeah Mm. love it there uh which is the better park victoria or waterloo oh Waterloo. I live in Waterloo. <laughs> yeah. I used to be the kids there. They're both great. Waterloo does have the edge with, uh, I think, with the, the animals there. I do love that. Yes, exactly. Yeah, well, it's close to where I live. So that's, you know, distance distance counts for a lot when you have two young children that, you you know, that, that at one time I was dragging around. <laughs> of course. What book is on your nightstand right now? Um... So I am uh, reading, um, sorry, <laughs> isn't this awful? People ask me this and I'm so bad with titles. Um, I think it's, it's called Four Friends by Robin Carr. And it's just, um, I'm going to say it's a chiclet, light reading, beach type book. Just something, I just came off of a, a, a heavier book um, called My Dark Vanessa that was written by a debut author that was dealing with um, uh, a sexual predator um, of a young of a young woman, and it was a very heavy duty topic. So I often alternate. So when I have something like that, where I've some I've read something very um, heavy duty, I like to move to something completely light For sure. <laughs> and something I can just read and put down and read and put down. So yeah, there's nothing wrong with a little bit of light reading. Yeah, exactly. Last question. What is one thing you couldn't live without? And talk about big questions. That's one. Oh, one thing I couldn't live without. Um, and are you talking about uh, anything? Or Could be anything in the world. Probably my family, I would nice. say. That's yeah. a great answer. Natalie Gibbons, thank you so much uh, for chatting with me today. It's been so nice to catch up with you. Um, Thanks so much for all your hard work at the library. And thank you so much to all the workers uh, at the Kitchener Public Library and libraries across the region who are doing truly essential work, keeping our library services up and running. I know that I speak for many, many people in the community when I say that uh, I cannot wait to walk back through the Kitchener Public Library doors and, uh, and catch one of those concerts in the atrium there. Awesome. Thanks, Matt. Thank you.